This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. Thank goodness it's Friday. The madness hasn't stopped. Uh, Hillary Clinton, uh, her email scandal is now akin to Watergate, according to Donald Trump. Here's here's something I don't think I've ever said. I don't think he's going far enough. And Hillary Clinton is hitting back uh, at Donald Trump with his supporters' own words. Hillary, oh, What a delightful human being. We begin there right now. The fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is... The Glenn Beck Program. Hello, you sick, twisted freak. Glad you're here. So let's let's stop the uh, let's stop the train here at our first station, which is <laughs> which is Do Hillary. We off a layer of the onion. Well, we're <laughs> yeah, at the we station. are. All we'll right. take this elevator down one more floor, <laughs> and uh, and we're gonna look. At uh, ladies lingerie and Hillary Clinton. No, Ew, don't, <laughs> no, <laughs> don't put. No. Do you hear her yesterday? Yeah, that was crazy. Yeah, she uh, I mean, she know. went to town. It is it is a it is a battle for the lowest. Big time. It really I, is. I, the whole thing was about calling him a racist. And frankly, I, but he was I mean, doing that. Here, here's what Donald Trump should have done. What was it? Two days ago. Um, Donald Trump, when he gave this, he said, you know, she doesn't care about her policies if they hurt blacks or Hispanics. And, and I thought right about that. Of course. He's right. And I'm like, that was great. Yeah. Then he said, she's a bigot. And the crowd went crazy. And I thought, OK, wrong thing to say. Maybe. Yeah. You know, maybe just if he could play the high ground and not name call. He sure got her to respond, though, because. Oh, my gosh. That's all she focused on yesterday. Oh, my gosh. Which was. Well, was, ha- what a racist he is the, that he uh, he has people that he retweets from the white supremacist groups that he uh, something about a KKK member who likes him. And then she even went into Alex Jones territory. What? A, what? Uh-oh. What are you bringing up that guy for? I'll bet I don't know. You do it like once a week. I'm not a presidential candidate. <laughs> We're just doing it to have fun. She's doing it as a serious issue. Oh, but she's doing right? it because he goes on. Alex Jones show, and that is he that is poor still, does he? I think I he's, know last time I know he he's gone on once. I, I, I don't know if there was more than that. I know his uh, surrogates go on. I mean, like Roger Stone is on there every she, fifteen minutes. She talked about that interview, and you know the fact that do you have any of the audio him. from from that? No, uh, but I have. I certainly have 
you know, audio from Alex Jones. Which, oh, to feel what the children oh, are on, feeling. Listen to this. This is important. Yeah, this God is. God Almighty. Oh, yeah. She brought it up. <laughs> this is who she brought up. Folks, we got it. We got to get good people to stand up against these people. We really do. Stop. Stop. You've memorized (laughs) You've memorized this. A little harmonizing, yeah. Mm -hmm. I probably shouldn't even have done this radio show today because I have this disgusted cover for how I just hate the globalists, but it's more than that. And I I just get flippant and angry, but it's because deep down, folks, I can see what they're doing, and we have a responsibility to stop these globalists. globalists. Where are the men in this country... Where are the men? That's such a good question. Where are the men? Where are the men in this world? What the hell have we become? We just offer our children up to the system with the fluoride and the water and the GMO hurting them. And we let fat perverts grab them at the airport to train them for the pedophile government. (laughs) And we've just got such a sick society. Uh, Okay, this is Is the guy denying that. Hillary Clinton. Is bringing up this guy. Okay, so that's wait, wait, desperate. Let me, let me let me just show you. This is where they're they're going. Cut three thirteen, please. Here's a, a new Clinton ad. And a lot of Klan members like Donald Trump, who because a lot of what he believes, we believe in. Oh boy. Donald Trump would be best for the job for president. Yeah, I am a farmer and white nationalist. Support Donald Trump. Sending out all the illegals, building a wall, and a moratorium on Islamic immigration. That's very appealing to a lot of ordinary white people. Running against Donald Trump at this point is really treason to your heritage. Will you unequivocally condemn David Duke and say that you don't want his vote or that of other white supremacists? I don't know anything about white supremacists, so I don't know. Trump named Steve Bannon as his new campaign CEO. Mr. Bannon is best known for his controversial Breitbart News, a campaign chair that ran a website that has become a field day for the alt-right, which is racist and all sorts of other ists. The alt-right, which is a sort of dressed-up-in-suits version of the neo-Nazi and white supremacist movement. A lot of what he believes, we believe in. You asked that question yesterday, and I think it's such a good one. What, wow. Where did this alt-right stuff come? Well, let me, let me ask you this. Isn't it interesting that Hillary releases this campaign ad? Yesterday, she goes out and she does a whole speech on the alt-right. Yeah. And, and at the same time, I know I've done two interviews this week with two major news outlets... That their specific question to me was, tell me about the alt-right. And, and I answered both of them, I don't, I don't know. know about the tell me, you tell me what you know about the alt-right. I said, honestly, I had not I heard that, that term until about six months ago. And now this week, I'm hearing it everywhere. Well, part of that is because she basically previewed that this speech was coming this week. So okay. She tipped her hand, her hand and said, we're going to be talking about the alt-right through some of her surrogates. And that's why Trump tried to get out ahead of it by calling her a bigot. Although I would say, if I didn't know any better, 
<laughs> if I were a skeptical person, I might start to think there's some coordination between the media and the Hillary Clinton campaign. <laughs> no. <laughs> but that's, no way. You know, but no better than that. I know oh, better. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying, it looks kind of, you know, fishy. <laughs> right. Well, I will tell you, though, oh. the, the reporters that I've talked to, both of them, uh, both of them seemed honest that they didn't know, they didn't know anything about the alt-right either. Yeah, I mean, really? it's, uh, yeah. yeah, they, I mean, they, you oh. know, at least the, um, the post reporter that I talked to from the Washington Post, she seemed very honest, very, um, uh, like she had a lot of credibility to me. She had really done her homework, but she, I said, you tell me, I don't even know. That's a made up and, term. And she's, right? I don't know. And she said, I, I know I hadn't really heard of it either. Um, she said, she said, you know, I had heard, you know, I knew neo-Nazis and everything else. She said, but the, the alt-right thing, she said, is just seems seemingly everywhere all of a sudden. Did you read Ben Shapiro on him, on this? Yes. On alt-right? Yes. Uh, Wrote one two days ago. Yeah. And was, uh, I mean, he was, you know, he's been, because he's Jewish, has been the victim of unending, uh, anti-Semitic attacks from the alt-right. Um, again, they're not just like, like this, bad. Is, this is. Are not, they lumping all Trump uh, supporters? No, 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 no. no, no, no. no, no. They are lumping. They are tending to lump Breitbart more heavily, I think, well, to alt right than even Trump. Well, here's the interesting really? thing. Of yeah. course, um, uh, Breitbart it had called itself the forum for the alt right. Uh, Shut the kidding. hell up! And, and it was somebody when? specific at Breitbart. Oh yes, Steve Bannon. Shut up. Yes. Um, And of course, he's now running the Trump campaign. So there is a little bit here. Wow. uh, That might actually. Oh, my God. I can get you the exact quote. It's in it's in the uh, Shapiro. Holy uh, cow. Yeah. I mean, they tried to own it. I Um, mean, does I mean, why would you want to own that? Yeah, that's like, you know what? It's their fuel. That's why (laughs) it's like the Glenn Beck program. The home of leprosy. <laughs> you know, that's, there's some things you don't want to own. Hey, nobody has cornered the market on leprosy. Well, you know, uh, that it's hard to deny. Now, look, there are multiple groups. There's lots of people. I mean, look, for, th- probably 38 to 40 percent of America is voting for Donald Trump. That is uh, that is actually voting. So that is not 38 to 40. Oh, well, that was my races. question. No, no, no. That was my right, question. That was my question to the media people I spoke to. I said, do you have any stats on how big? I mean, we've all known that there's some Nazis in the woods, maybe in Idaho and and some Klan members here and there. But but it's not a huge movement, is it? Have you heard? And and nobody I've talked to has any stats on it. And consider this, too. We're talking about alt-right. When a significant portion of the Democrat Party are now socialists. What is that? Is that alt-left or is that mainstream left? I wouldn't even say <laughs> socialist. I would say... I, I would say they might the, even be communists. Bla- yeah, definitely the, Marxists. There's, there's communists, the Black Lives Matter, which are total racists. Yeah. I mean, that's... So they've that got us again focusing on some little problem with the right when they've got massive issues of their own. Well, which... Uh, I don't claim the alt-right as... My side? No, I don't either. But it's, it's I mean, right. these guys are government because no. they say it. it no. These guys are totalitarian. I mean, you can't be a national socialist and be on the right. You can't be a Nazi no, you and be on the right. No. I'm listening to this uh, paragraph from the Shapiro article um, talking about um, now Milo. I don't know his last name, but the guy who was at yeah, Breitbart. Really he, he's the one that got in the fight with um, the 
woman from Saturday Night Live and Ghostbusters. We can talk mm-hmm. about that hack maybe a little bit later on. Yeah, I'd like to talk about that. Um, uh, but they wrote a piece uh, about the alt-right at Breitbart.com, which has become, according to the new Trump campaign chairman, Steve Bannon, quote, a platform for the alt-right, <laughs> end quote. They claim that the intellectual uh, foundation of the alt-right rested in the notion that culture is inseparable from race. Foreign races include non-whites and Jews, who many alt-writers believe are the fifth-column outsiders inherently connected to the international left and its agenda. They also named intellectual influences ranging from Richard Spencer, quote, Our dream is a new society, an ethnostate, that would be a gathering point for all Europeans. It would be a new society based on very different ideals than, say, the Declaration of Independence, end quote. Wow. Steve he Bannon is readily identified he with identifies that. with them? He says Breitbart.com is a platform for the alt-right. That's how he defines it. Um, another one of their influences, Steve Saylor. Holy cow. I mean, I have to tell you, going into this, mm. I thought Hillary was using some loose ties Me too. to smear Donald Trump. Hearing that Bannon has said these things, mm-hmm. there is no loose tie. That is a that is a very large, obvious tie. Mm-hmm. That begs the question, how did Van Jones get into the Oval Office? You didn't know these things? Your vetting is so bad? Steve Bannon, if he is saying this on Breitbart, there's no doubt that he knew these things. That, that Donald Trump knew these things. 100%. Oh my gosh! That that to me, I have not thought that Donald Trump was involved in any way with the Nazi. I've always thought it was unfair. Yes, he's stupid for retweeting these things. He has played fast and loose with. I don't really know. Yes, you do. You knew who David Duke was, <laughs> but I just thought he was just keeping all the options open. That's much different than what is happening here. I mean, look. Wow. You can, I think you can make an argument to, to take Trump's side here, as he would, I think, defend and say, essentially, he sees these guys as the most energetic supporters he has. No, no. Um, no. And is trying to no. use them as fuel. No, no. <laughs> I'm trying. No, I'm trying. No, there's no way. Pat, you're running for president. You running against Hillary Clinton. You know how damaging she is. Somebody, I come into your office and say, Mr. Gray, I, I know this is crazy, but I think we can reach out to the neo-Nazis no. and the Klan. No, just no. hear me out, but they will help you win. No. So, all right? There's no, there's no one in the sound of my voice that, does, that says yes to that. Nope. No one in the, the, in the sound of my voice. No. No. Tell me this does not sound familiar. Um, to all these people united by a tribal view of Western civilization. Western civilization isn't rooted in creed, but in nationalism and European ethnicity. To that end, many of them are warm towards powerful centralized government designed to protect the tribe. They admire Russian dictator Vladimir Putin, for example, because he represents a hyper-masculine defense of and his own tribe. And frankly, Trump's been pretty open about that. Pretty open. Yeah. About yeah. his admiration for Putin. By the, uh, by the same token, they support isolationist foreign policy since we must hunker down behind our walls in order to protect the tribe. And finally, they oppose the, the notion of a natural God-given individual rights as described by the Founding Fathers because all rights only adhere via the tribe. You know what's happening? History is truly repeating itself. Wow. Father Coughlin. Mm. This is Father Coughlin. 
it is happening. Father Coughlin, in case you don't know, was a Catholic priest, socialist. very, very popular. He was a socialist. Then he became a national socialist. He started supporting the Nazis. First, he was in with the FDR policies. Then he didn't think it went far enough. Then he was like, why are we fighting against the Nazis? They're the good guys. Finally, the Catholic Church had to silence him. He was a huge... This is what's happening. Father Coughlin has arrived, gang. It's the Trump campaign. Wow. Now this. Purchasing a gun is an uh, important decision. Do your homework and choose the gun that's right for you. See what Bond Arms has to offer. Every gun from Bond Arms can be converted to suit your needs. 25 different barrels fit. I'm sorry. I am so blown away. I'm sorry. I'm having a hard time concentrating on this commercial. <laughs> I didn't even get to read you the Jewish bias uh, quote. Oh, my uh, gosh. Um, okay. 25 different barrels fit every Bond Arms pistol. You can use 14 different calibers. I have a Bond Arms gun. They're small really enough to cool. fit in my... They're really great. They're small enough to fit in your front pocket or your wife's little teeny purse. Do your homework. It's like having a shotgun. They have some serious firepower. Oh, it's great. Do your homework. Do it now. Visit bondbeck.com. That's bondbeck.com. The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. Glenn Beck Program. 888-727-BECK. I, I, I am, I'm floored. We this, we started this hour with it was a race to the bottom to see who could be the one who called the other the biggest racist. And, and I said at the very beginning of the hour, the only thing that Donald Trump did wrong, I thought, two days ago was when he said, and Hillary Clinton's a bigot. It was, it was so unnecessary. What he said right after that was, she doesn't care for who her policies hurt. She's out for herself, yada, yada. And I thought, okay, well, there's a nicer way of saying what you just said and one that just doesn't have all of the, all of the baggage along with it. Then she came out yesterday and she gives this major speech and I'm actually, I'm actually beginning to mock her and say, come on, we, we didn't go that far. And then we start looking into the alt-right. Just here, Stu brings up stuff that I did not know Steve Bannon had said. Steve Bannon is the CEO of the Trump campaign. I've told you, really bad guy. A guy who is on the dark web. And if you don't know what the dark web is, good the dark web is really, really dangerous. You, you don't get on there unless you're screwing around in dark arts. And um, uh, it, 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 explain to me exactly what he said here about the alt-right. So you don't, if, in case you've never heard that, we're kind of there too. Alt-right is and the new word or new term for neo-Nazis and the Klan, 
white supremacists, these crazy national socialists. Right. Ben Shapiro says, like all movements, the alt-right has several strains. Um, self-appointed radical culture warriors, disenchanted paleoconservatives, which is uh, this is Pat Buchanan-ish type people, um, and uh, open anti-Semites and white supremacists. Goes on, now, Steve Bannon called uh, Breitbart.com, quote, a platform for the alt-right. Now, did okay, he so mean, he, wait. But did he, he say that, or did he write that, so we, or is that's this directly attributed to somebody him. that he said it? Uh, Do we have proof that it actually, I mean, would he admit to saying this? And did he mean. I believe so. Um, and did he mean me. the alt-right, yeah. meaning Pat Buchanan? Because there's a big difference between Pat sure. Buchanan and a Nazi. Yeah. Right. Um, yes, I would agree with that. Um, um, however, uh, I don't think the distinction was made. By the way, I just want anybody who thinks we always throw these guys under the bus. Steve Bannon is one of the worst, or what's his name? Is it Steve? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Steve Bannon is one of the worst guys I've, I've ever come across in this industry. And listen to us trying to find a way for him to, for us to say, no, he didn't actually mean that. Nobody it would be so easy for us to throw him under the bus. Let us spend some more time as we try to figure out if that's really what he meant. Well, I mean, let's not forget that he also said that he wanted to burn it all down. He was a Leninist. Leninist. Oh, yeah. I mean, he wanted to burn it all down. So Right. <laughs> wow. Oh, my gosh. I mean... Wow. I, mean, I, I thought that revelation earlier this week that he was a Leninist, not John Lennon, Lennon, Vladimir, Vladimir Lennon. Lennon. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that was big. We'll explore this some more. Let's try to get Ben this Shapiro on the phone. This is the Come Glenn on. Beck Program. Mercury. Yesterday in a speech, Hillary Clinton said this about Donald Trump. It's also what happens when you listen to the radio host, Alex Jones, who claims that 9-11 and the Oklahoma City bombings were inside jobs. He even stop, said... Stop, stop, stop. Not a peep. Not a peep. No, but because they believe it, too. <laughs> <laughs> totally. I believe, believe it, it came. I believe it came from that crazy Michael Moore <laughs> saying all that. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, I, I'm, I'm, we digress. Let's go on. And this really just is so disgusting. He even said the victims of the Sandy Hook massacre were child actors. And no one was actually killed there. I don't know. See, they react to that. <laughs> I mean, they were listening. Yeah. It wasn't like they had tuned yeah. out that part of the, about the 9-11 conspiracy. Right. They heard it. What happens in somebody's mind or how dark their heart must be to say things like that? But Trump doesn't challenge these lies. He actually went on Jones's show and said, your reputation is amazing. I will not let you down. Oh, my God. This from the man who wants to be president of the United States. 
You know, I've stood by wait, President. Wait, wait, what are they shouting? I don't know what that was. What are they I, shouting? I was, People, these. This is no. It's getting insane. out of control. It's becoming insane. Yeah, did you see the Trump speech where they were doing it at almost every sentence, screaming something out, and he'd point to him like, "Yeah, yeah okay, yeah." What you say, you, guy? Yeah. I, and I couldn't make out exactly what was being shouted, but then the, the same thing in Hillary's speech. It's becoming dangerous. It's bad. This is becoming really dangerous. It's bad. And when you're paying attention to Alex Jones, we have a real issue, I think. Uh, you think? Yeah, I do. And okay, it, so we're trying to get uh, Ben Shapiro on, who is clearly the, fan, the alt-right is not a fan of Ben Shapiro. <laughs> um, but Ben, and, and this, this is really important. Because if you've been listening since the beginning of the show today, you might have heard us go uh, start in one direction and and ending now in another direction. Um, I was going after both of them saying, this is ridiculous. Can we stop calling each other racists? And and I got up really, I mean, I think I can make a pretty good case on Hillary Clinton calling people racists. Yeah, and by the way, Hillary Clinton does not get to criticize Donald Trump for being a birther since her campaign is the one that came up with it. Uh, Hillary Clinton also doesn't get, have the right to call people uh, racist when she embraces uh, Black Lives Matter, which is calling for the mm-hmm. death of whites, white cops. Oh, and saying that Israel is an apartheid state. So please, there's no, no talk to me about anti-Semites or racists. There's no winners here. There's no winner. There's, this is bad. But what... Stu pointed out and then found another article for Ben Shapiro. And Ben has credibility on this because Ben was working at Breitbart until recently when he was like, okay, Bannon is too damn crazy and leaves. Um, uh, So he knows who Steve Bannon is. Steve Bannon is the CEO of Donald Trump. Now, yesterday I said on the air, look, if you disagree with me and don't see the the potential of Donald Trump becoming a dictator, I understand that. That's where I live and that's what I that's what I have looked for for the past 15 years. How does this thing break apart and how do we fall into some sort of totalitarian state and how do we stop it? Okay. Well, one of the ways and I always thought it was coming going to come from the left and indeed it may. But the right is also a problem, and it's the right that I have been warning about, the European right, over in Europe. Well, I, there's too many disturbing things for me to dismiss on Donald Trump, but I did not know this. Hillary Clinton was saying, you know, he's in bed with the alt-right, and she's giving this speech, and, she, and he, he is. He is courting them, and at least he's just um, ignoring what they say, okay? And I thought, honestly, that's what he was doing. He was just ignoring it. However, Stu's going to lay this out for you and give all of the quotes of what Steve Bannon said. Because Steve Bannon, this may not have anything to do with Donald Trump, but at least, I mean, he knows about it, and so he's made the decision to surround himself with, quote, the best people. Let's go into the best people, Steve Bannon. Steve Bannon he is Father Coughlin. He is somebody who is a obviously some sort of a national socialist or white power kind of leader um, out there. Because listen to what he has said in Breitbart. And listen to 
tell me if this is a stretch. Okay, am I stretching here? Because I'm willing, you know, I'm obviously not a fan of Donald Trump. Not a fan of Hillary Clinton either. But on this, this is a serious charge. Tell me if I'm stretching. Okay. Okay. The CEO of Donald Trump's campaign is Steve Bannon. Steve Bannon used to run Breitbart. Steve Bannon referred to Breitbart, the site he was running at the time, as, quote, a platform for the alt-right. Most people don't know what the alt-right is. Thankfully, Breitbart.com printed an article that was an explainer of what the alt-right is. Okay, so that is in a- that same are in that same on that same time period. So he says we are alt right. We're a platform for the alt right. And Breitbart then does another story at the same time. In case you don't know what the alt right is, here's what it is. Here's what it is. In the article printed on Breitbart.com, they cite as quote the center of alt right thought a man named Richard Spencer. Don't know who Richard Spencer is. I don't know either. Here's a quote from him. Our dream. Our dream is a new society, an ethno-state that would be a gathering point for all Europeans. It would be a new society based on very different ideals than, say, the Declaration of Independence. Okay? Wow. They also cite Steve Saylor. Another, Wait, what was the first guy's name? Richard? Richard Spencer. Okay. They also cite Steve Saylor as another influence. Steve Saylor, quote, since Jewish predilections play such a massive role in the media, it's crucial to understand these biases. I mean, am I stretching there? They themselves, the guy who runs the Trump campaign, wow. runs a site mm-hmm. that identifies the person you just heard saying the Declaration of Independence needs to be replaced with an ethnostate of white Europeans as uh, as the okay, explanation so. for the movement he says is a platform for. So that's listen, pretty so, clear. So listen to this. So listen to this. Richard Spencer just looked him up. So who is Richard Spencer? He is the thought leader of the alt-right described by Breitbart as that, right? Yeah. Breitbart.com. Breitbart, Breitbart.com describes him as the, the central... Center, oh, center of alt-right thought. Alt-right thought. So he is the... He's the von Mises, okay? He is the Jefferson. He's the Karl Marx of He's communism. The, of communism, all right? Um, just go to Wikipedia. Richard B. Spencer. Born 1978, an American writer, publisher, and self-described identitarian, known for promoting white supremacist views. He is the president of the National Policy Institute, a white nationalist think tank. He advocates for a white homeland for a a dispossessed white race. Wow. He also calls for the, quote, peaceful ethnic cleansing and a halt to the deconstruction of the European culture. (laughs) The alternative right attracts the brightest young conservatives and libertarians and expose them to far broader intellectual horizons, including race realism, white nationalism, European New Right, conservative revolution, traditionalism, neo-paganism, agritarianism, third positionism, anti-feminism, right-wing anti-capitalist, uh, ecologist, bio-regionalists, and small is beautiful type. Wow. <laughs> um, reading through uh, some of the, the description by, again, site that Bannon mm. ran... Their description of what the white of what uh, alt right is, um, they say they, their argument seems to be we're we're being offensive to annoy 
uh, feminists and, and, you know, establishment types. We know we're being offensive, but we don't really mean it. That's like kind of their generic answer. And as they point out, anything associated as closely with racism and bigotry as the alternative right will inevitably attract real racists and bigots. So they themselves define their movement as uh, associated closely with racism and bigotry. (laughs) The man (laughs) ran this site is running the campaign. Wow. I mean, I there's no way what I keep. There's no there is. I'm sorry. Wow. I am sorry. I take back what I said yesterday. I cannot see how with this evidence, you cannot see that Donald Trump is a dictator in the making. He says he is. He says he only surrounds himself with the best people. I ask you, is the guy who made his and I'm sorry, not his. Andrew Breitbart, I can't believe I'm standing up for Andrew Breitbart. Andrew Breitbart hated my guts. <laughs> for, that he stood, he, he took Andrew Breitbart's site and made it, quote, a platform yeah. for alt-right points of view. And descri- then that platform describes the alt-right points of view of, uh, as the, the head thinker, the leader of the thought. Is a guy who wants ethnic cleansing. Well, gentle ethnic cleansing. Oh my gosh! And this, the issue here with Algon, take me away. Right, I know. With this campaign, you know what? If they, if the Republicans ran Ted Cruz or Scott Walker wow. or Bobby Jindal wow. or whoever, wow. the Democrats wow. would have called them a racist and would have trotted out Hillary Clinton you in a pantsuit to call everybody racist. You don't. But they never, never have had, had this quality of evidence before. They, this this always, is real. They've always been making it up. And now she gets to go on there and say that thing happened. No, but she did you hear what she said? Alex did Jones you hear show. what she said? She was freaking brilliant. She said, and I want conservatives to know that's that. This is not conservatives. Right. These are not conservatives. It's that bad. It's that bad. Mm-hmm. She is not lumping all conservatives in. She's saying that's not who you are. Holy cow. Yeah. It's the only true thing she's ever said. Now this, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I'd, I'd like to double check it just because she said it. Um, there are real estate agents, and then there are real real estate agents. You want a real estate agent that you can actually trust, an agent who will uh, tell you the real truth and take with, and, and do what it takes to get your home sold. If you have had a problem selling your home, if you have to sell your home and and you want to get the most money and you don't want it to be a hassle, you want somebody that you work with that you can trust, call realestateagentsitrust.com. Now you'll have a hard time dialing that number because you don't you go online. Thus the dot .com part of it. <laughs> wow. Um, go to realestateagentsitrust.com. Our goal is to connect you with an agent that can help you sell your home as quickly as possible and for the best price possible. The agents are fans of this show just like you. They have similar values. They know that you want a square deal. You want to be treated like a human being. You want somebody that's coming into your home and sitting in your kitchen and not filling you with a bunch of hype, but is doing the right thing to sell your home on time and for the most amount of money. 
Get moving now. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com, realestateagentsitrust.com, where our individually selected agents will work to earn your business every day. realestateagentsitrust.com. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. week marks the 77th anniversary of the Nazi-Soviet pact of 1939. Most people don't know anything about this Nazi-Soviet pact. We 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 look at this as saying, oh, the, the two guys got together and and uh, had a truce, but if it wasn't for this pact, Germany Germany wouldn't have been able to do what they did. Yeah, and a lot of people just look at it as like we fought with the Soviets. We obviously allied with them late in the war against the Germans, and people forget that the Germans and the Soviets were allied at the beginning. Um, and, you know, the, the, the results of that were quite disastrous. I mean, it, it took a lot, until Hitler decided to attack the Soviet Union, um, you know, he was preparing because he didn't think he had enough firepower to fight a two-front war. So he kept them at bay with this treaty and wound up killing everybody else, and the Soviets stood by and watched uh, and did a bunch of their own stuff. And then, uh, you know, afterwards, it wasn't until after that, until, until we wound up allying with them. I mean, it's a, it's a really terrible and overlooked moment of history, in that, particularly in that war. Uh, so we have a um, professor of law from uh, George Mason University. Um, uh, he, is, uh, he lost a family member because of that, didn't he? Yeah, so the, I believe it was the, you'll have to ask him. I think he, in Finland, I believe. Yeah. Um, but he has obviously become a an expert on this and um, and tells a fascinating story. And we're going to talk to him about that. Also, I, I want to talk to him a little bit because he wrote a new book, Democracy and Political Ignorance. <laughs> I mean, that's paying it nicely, isn't it? <laughs> Democracy and Political Ignorance. Um, anyway, um, uh, he wrote a book on that. And, and I want to talk to him a little bit about um, Vladimir Putin and uh, and Russia. And because uh, there are more emails coming out and this is Russia, but Russia, I am convinced. I mean, well, we have to play the um, we have to play the the Dugan um, comments from the election, the American election uh, on Super Tuesday, where he is saying why the alt right needs to work hard. And the Soviets are, or the Russians are working hard to get Donald Trump elected because he is the guy who they think will bring chaos and uh, and will help push us into a revolution. And Dugan is a a supporter of all people who are these new neo-Nazis. They're they're spending money. He is the guy who I am convinced is the one that is, has convinced Putin to go get these documents and release them on Hillary Clinton. And Hillary Clinton It's easy to get things that are bad on Hillary Clinton because she's such a flawed human being herself. We have that. And the final part in our series of MLK is death. Next. The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. 
Whoa. <laughs> Hello, America. This Sunday, it will mark the 53rd anniversary of Martin Luther King Jr.'s I Have a Dream speech. All this week, we have been trying to get down to the root of Martin Luther King. Who was he? Was he a good guy? Was he a bad guy? Was he a communist? Was he a capitalist, Republican, Democrat? Who was Dr. Martin Luther King? Today, we conclude our serial on MLK by exploring his final days and his legacy. And we do that right now. of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Martin Luther King and Malcolm X shared a common goal, seeking civil rights for black Americans. But they had very different philosophies about how to reach that goal. Malcolm X openly attacked MLK's strategy. The goal of Dr. Martin Luther King is to give Negroes a chance to sit in a segregated restaurant beside the same white man who had brutalized them for 400 years. The goal of Dr. Martin Luther King is to get Negroes to forgive the people who have brutalized them for, uh, for 400 years by, by lulling them to sleep and making them forgetting what those whites have done to them. But the masses of black people in America today don't go for what Martin Luther King is, is putting down. As you said in one of your articles, it's psychologically insecure, something of that sort. I forget how you put it. But you didn't endorse what Martin Luther King was doing yourself. Uh, I do not reject his goals of full integration and full equality rights for American citizens. Do you reject these goals? If you don't think that he's walking on the right road, I'm quite sure you don't agree that he'll get to the right place. And if you would classify uh, his method as uh, psychologically unrealistic, I think that uh, if a man's method is psychologically unrealistic, which means the road or the means or the method that he's using... For his part, MLK explained to critics like Malcolm X... Nonviolent resistance means that you do resist in a very strong and determined manner. And I think some of the criticisms of uh, nonviolence or some of the critics fail to realize uh, that we are talking about something very strong. As Bishop Lowe of Birmingham's Guiding Light Church reminds us... It wasn't just Malcolm X, who was strong and an outspoken critic of MLK. He would be uh, uh, ostracized and condemned by many, uh, many black people because the latter part of what was going on, they were turning against him then. Yet King persevered, never wavering from his belief in nonviolent action for change. And his methods worked. In 1964, Congress was led by Republicans, and they finally passed the Civil Rights Bill, a bill delayed repeatedly and opposed and voraciously fought against by Democrats for decades. But the tide, in large part due to the efforts of Martin Luther King, had turned. U.S. law now sided with reason and right. After listening to Congress debate the bill, MLK was making his way through the throngs of admirers at Capitol Hill when a tall, lanky man stepped out of the crowd. Well, Malcolm, it's good to see you, said Martin Luther King. It's good to see you too, Martin, replied Malcolm X. 
Those were virtually all the two icons ever said to each other face-to-face in their only meeting in person ever. It has been said by many that Malcolm X was beginning to moderate his views and that he eventually appreciated King's approach much more than he had earlier in his life. But in February 1965, violence visited the man who proclaimed that violence was the only way. Malcolm X was assassinated. After leaving the Nation of Islam a year earlier, he and Nation founder Elijah Muhammad had been involved in a very public and nasty feud. It ended when three members of the Nation of Islam entered the ballroom where Malcolm X was speaking and riddled his body with bullets. Bizarrely, in 1993, Nation of Islam leader Louis Farrakhan seemed to admit to having something to do with the assassination. Yeah, I love Elijah Muhammad enough that if you attack him, I will kill you. Yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And I'm not a killer. But neither are you. But if somebody attack what you love, each one of you in here would become a killer instantaneously. Am I lying? Mother, let somebody look like they're attacking your child. Here's a woman who fought a bear because the bear snatched her baby. And she ran the bear down, screaming until the bear dropped her baby. Love cast out fear. We don't give a damn about no white man love when you attack what we love. And frankly, it ain't none of your business. What did you got to say about it? Did you teach Malcolm? Did you make Malcolm? Did you clean up Malcolm? Did you put Malcolm out before the world? Was Malcolm your traitor or was he ours? And if we dealt with him like a nation deals with a traitor, what the hell business is it of yours? Being the peacemaker he was, Martin Luther King said this after the shooting. Well, I think we uh, have to agree that uh, this appears to be uh, the result of an internal conflict within the black nationalist movement. So I think the first thing that needs to be done is for a conference of goodwill to take place between uh, black nationalist leaders. This was why I suggested a few days ago that the followers of the late Malcolm X and the followers of Elijah Muhammad uh, should sit down at the peace table together, so to speak, uh, and discuss this problem and try to reach some understanding. Uh, I don't think, uh, and I'm sure, uh, that uh, nothing can be accomplished by violence. Uh, it only leads to new and more complex social problems. I think it is unfortunate uh, for the black nationalist movement. I think it is unfortunate for the health of our nation. Even though the Civil Rights Bill was passed in 64, there remained a lot of work to do in order to realize King's dream. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal.
I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream that one day that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. I have a dream that one day every valley shall be exalted. Every hill and mountain shall be made low. The rough places will be made plain and the crooked places will be made straight. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. While he saw much progress during his lifetime, he was not able to fully realize the fulfillment of that dream. As MLK, too, was cut down by an assassin's bullet in April 1968 at the age of 39. ...wounded in Memphis, Tennessee this evening. That was exactly the same age that Malcolm X was when he was assassinated three years earlier. An old nemesis... The man who had okayed the FBI wiretapping of his activities, Robert F. Kennedy, made an announcement at a scheduled speech to a stunned and horrified crowd. I'm only going to talk to you just for a minute or so this evening because I have have some very sad news for all of you and I think uh, sad news for all of our fellow citizens and people who love peace all over the world. And that is that Martin Luther King was shot and was killed tonight in Memphis, Tennessee. Martin Luther King dedicated his life to love and to justice between fellow human beings. He died in the cause of that effort. Much had transpired in the years since RFK made the decision to spy on Martin Luther King. There were, in fact, at least a few documented communists who had infiltrated his movement. But the irony of that moment has been all but erased by history. And along with it, the old perception of Democrats and the civil rights movement. King's widow, Coretta, spoke to 60 Minutes about her husband during her first Christmas without him. I think that if we are looking for another Martin Luther King, we won't find him. Because uh, he comes once in a century, uh, maybe once in a thousand years. Um, But there are many other persons now who will come forth, I believe, and assume leadership that they never assumed before because they feel that there is this need. Was MLK a -a once-in-a-thousand-year icon? Well, he certainly was complicated and definitely flawed, to be sure. But he did effect positive change. But what would Martin Luther King say of what had become of the civil rights movement in his absence? What would he say about Jesse Jackson or Al Sharpton? Have they carried on his legacy of judging a man not by skin color, but by the content of his character? Many would say the answer to that is decidedly no. How would Martin Luther King feel about Black Lives Matter, 
A movement that revolves specifically around skin color only. A movement that has ignored documented facts and caused and encouraged rioting, violence, and looting. MLK isn't here to answer these questions. But Americans must take an educated guess. Want more cereals? You can listen to every episode at glennbeck.com slash cereals. Next week, you'll learn about the history of education in America. Glenn Beck. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Wow. Listen to this. Yesterday, four of the world's largest banks, Deutsche Bank, UBS, New York Mellon, and Santander. Have you ever heard of Santander Bank? I don't. Mm-mm. Santander. Huh. Never heard of that one. Uh, they announced a brand new joint venture to create a new financial settlement protocol. That doesn't sound good. They've called it the utility settlement coin. Banks are going to be able to send payments to one another directly without having to transfer, uh, transit uh, through Wall Street. Good. Mm-hmm. So when foreign banks are able to trans, uh, transact business directly with one another without having to go through the U.S. banking system... Why would anyone park millions or trillions of dollars into the U.S.? And the answer is they won't. Uh, The adoption of this new technology will cause a gigantic vacuum of deposits outside of the U.S. banking system. But don't worry about it. I mean, if it was important, you would have heard about it in the news, right? Nothing to see here, people. Hey, completely unrelated. You might want to consider calling Goldline. Having something tangible. You know, in case this actually does mean something and the world is now preparing for an entire new unit of currency. Holy cow. Have you guys heard about that at all? No. 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 Nope. Well, call Goldline today. That's because I made it up, but don't. No, I'm kidding. Um, call Goldline today. Order this, the, their bullion product, their new bullion product, legal tender unit from the Perth Mint. It is currency. It has been currency for the last, you know, 4,000 years. Buy with confidence at Goldline, 866-465-3546, 866-465-3546, goldline.com, 866-GOLDLINE. You're listening. You're listening. To the Glenn Beck Program. The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. Program. How I almost pine for the common sense of the 60s um, and the days of Martin Luther King when there was a leader that stood up and said, this is ridiculous and has to stop, and people could see it. Um, Hillary Clinton yesterday um, got on stage and she talked about, um, uh, she talked about Donald Trump's association with the alt-right. It's also what happens when you listen to the radio host, Alex Jones, who claims that 9-11 and the Oklahoma City bombings were inside jobs. He even said, and this really just is so disgusting, 
He even said the victims of the Sandy Hook massacre were child actors and no one was actually killed there. I don't know what happens in somebody's mind or she's bringing this up because she's showing all of the ties to Donald Trump from the alt right. And I have to tell you, we started the show today and I was making fun of her. And then we started talking about it and start Stu brought up one uh, quote from Steve Bannon in Breitbart and said that that Breitbart, Steve Bannon, the guy who's running the Trump campaign, said that Breitbart is a platform for the alt-right. Then Breitbart goes on to explain who the thought leader is of the alt-right, and he is a guy who believes in gentle ethnic cleansing, that wants a new America or a new place for the white Europeans to be ruled with something other than the Constitution. Crazy. There's no, I'm sorry. I I was telling you before, I am concerned. I just told you yesterday, I am concerned. And if you don't see my concern, that's fine. I understand. Not anymore. This is really significant. That the guy standing next to Donald Trump is a guy who says, yes, I just built this platform and it is a voice and a platform for the alt-right And the thought leader of the alt-right is a guy who is a white nationalist, believes in white supremacy, and wants gentle ethnic cleansing. Holy cow. So the the reason why she's bringing uh, uh, Alex Jones in is because he's part of the alt-right. He is this crazy conspiracy guy. And if you've not heard him, he responded yesterday. And, of course, Drudge immediately puts it up. And what, because Drudge is also a platform for the the neo Nazis, white supremacist, and Klan. I've never said those things before, until now, because I never really had proof of it until now. Until Steve Bannon actually says Breitbart is this. Well, Breitbart and Drudge, you can't tell them apart anymore. Here is. What Drudge posted yesterday from Alex Jones. Hillary Clinton, the individual who openly stole the Democratic Party nomination from Bernie Sanders. Not no, true. Not true. No, she didn't. Not true. Is it, is, it, is it unfair? Yes. Is it the rules of the Democratic Party? Yes. yes. And, and look, can't steal well, what she, you, she beat him in every way. Beat yeah. him in every, I mean, in in every way. way. They, no matter fair anyway. or not. Anyway. The leaked email and showed you know that there was maybe some preference for Clinton, oh, yeah. but she won by four million votes. Okay, you know what's amazing? Do you know who also has this very same dialogue? Donald Trump. Dugan. And Alexander Dugan. Dugan. Alexander Dugan from Russia. He is saying that very same thing, that... Clinton stole stole the election. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Gave a press conference in Reno, Nevada. Nevada. Where she attacked. (laughs) Another conspiracy. Why the Nevada Nevada thing? Stop it. Stop with Nevada. Distance to her takeover of this country by foreign banks, the Saudi Arabian government. Also, there's no A in the word foreign. The communist Chinese and others. Make no mistake, that's <laughs> who this in. lady is. That's what her foundation is. She's in deep trouble. She knows mm-hmm. the emails are coming out from patriotic Americans inside no, intelligence Russia. agencies exposing no, her Russia. crimes. 
And she came out and attacked the free press. She came wait, out and wait, told wait, 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 in defense of Donald Trump, yeah. you are saying that she was out of line for attacking the free press? Please. <laughs> lie after lie and said Donald Trump wouldn't disavow David Duke. It was crazy. It was total Stop. lies. No, it's not. She, he did. He said, I don't know anything about David Duke. Yeah, no, no, so he I'm did. not going to comment on that. And then he later. And after it was proven that he did know about David Duke because he had talked about David Duke. Back in a minute. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. Ben Shapiro's holding. We're going to get to him in just a second. Yesterday, Hillary Clinton was talking about the alt-right. And in that speech, she mentioned Alex Jones because uh, Donald Trump has actually done Alex Jones' show. He's a big conspiracy guy. Uh, Donald Trump said that he is not going to disappoint Alex Jones. Yeah. And he's his, his, record is, yeah, his record is remarkable, et cetera, et cetera. So Alex Jones taking exception to that uh, yesterday. It was a thousand times more ridiculous than Bill Clinton saying, I didn't have sex with that woman, mm. Monica Lewinsky. Yeah. And then she did it. Then she did it. She did she it. She came out and misrepresented and spun. Get this. And basically twisted. Twisted. What I've actually said. She lied. She lied. To the people, not just the U.S., but the world. The whole world. The whole and world. And said that when I talk about 9-11 being an inside job, that mm-hmm. the whole government did it. Mm-hmm. Or that I say that no children died at Sandy Hook and they were all actors. Okay, so all right. we went back to the archive um, because Pat, mm-hmm. I think, has memorized the archive. <laughs> he just is so entertained. It's like yeah. The Office to him. It's just a comedy show to him. Yes. Uh, and, uh, and so show me what he said about 9-11. Okay, uh, here's part of it. To understand 9-11, I have to explain it to you from my perspective. Mm-hmm. And he just said this recently. I learned that the establishment wanted us to debate all the anomalies and all the problems so they could confuse the public Mm -hmm. and then say, which conspiracy is it? Because it's such a big mess. Mm -hmm. A whole bunch of FBI agents. It's on record. I made films about it. You can go back and pull the articles up if you're a new listener. Most people remember this. FBI agents from Texas to Arizona to Minnesota to Illinois to Florida mm-hmm. to California, mm-hmm. New York, mm-hmm. you name it, said they were ordered to not follow the hijackers and ordered to not stop them. Okay, so all over the country, FBI agents are told to lay off the hijackers. Really? Okay. okay. The head of the visa section told mm-hmm. Springman, who'd been the previous head, they were ordered to stand down and let them get fake okay. passports right. or use okay. their fake passports. So we got it. So, okay. it, so, so there's, this guy went on to say the popular mechanics was part of the CIA and they were in on it because they were denying his bull crap. Okay. And, and that steel doesn't melt and all those got kinds it, got of it, things. Got it. That was all Alex Jones. He's okay. the father of it. The father. Yeah, yeah. He's the father of the 9-11 conspiracy. Movie. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So obviously he did say so, that. so that's not a lie. That Hillary not a lie. Said. But now he couldn't have said that the whole thing was acting for Sandy, Sandy Hook. Hook. 
where 26 children, well, 21 children and, and, and 20 children, six adults are killed? Uh, concerning the Sandy uh, Hook hoax, surround oh. CNN and what appears to be people who've been coached, people who've been given cue cards, people who are behaving like actors. Huh. Uh, hmm. <laughs> huh. uh, Seems like you did say those things. Uh, okay. Hmm. Uh, look, we have Ben Shapiro on the phone with us. Ben. Yeah. You can call Alex Jones, and I'm sorry. It just sounds to me like he tried to eat a Jew, and it got stuck halfway down his throat. <laughs> I um I, I have to tell you, Ben. I I have been saying we've talked about this that that I believe that Donald Trump is a dangerous uh, uh, a totalitarian South American dictator in the making. That doesn't mean he becomes one. He has all of the earmarks that that could in a crisis become one. However, yesterday I said, look, if you don't see it that way, I understand because, you know, know, all I have is my gut on this one and some evidence that looks pretty bad. Then we were talking about your article with Bannon and where Bannon had said, and I want you to make this really clear because I'm sorry, this is like Van Jones in the White House. You had to know this. Bannon is a really bad guy. You and I both know it. He's 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 just bad news. Um, and he has claimed to be a Leninist that wants to destroy the state and everything about it, all the apparatus, just like uh, Vladimir Lenin did in 1919. So Bannon, when he was running Breitbart, before he became the CEO of Trump's uh, uh, campaign, he actually came out and said in your story um, that he that Breitbart is the platform for the alt-right. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. He, he didn't originally say it to me. He didn't originally say it to me, and my story isn't original. I think that was quoted originally by BuzzFeed. He 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 said that in in a bunch of uh, in a bunch of interviews. I think at least at least one wow. that was major and was quoted everywhere. So I mean, he he looks, ben, he, he knows what the, he you, knows what what the math is here. Do you think he would admit to that today? Uh, no. Um, no. My understanding is that he, when when this was originally reported, it was just a couple of days ago. Uh, when it was originally reported, he uh, the, the person who had heard, who had the conversation with him went back to him to confirm, and he pretended the conversation never taken place. Obviously, the reporter ran with it anyway. Mm. Okay, so there is, but there are more than one source that said this. So again, this comes from a this source was I'm trying to remember the name of the guy off the top of my head. It was linked in my piece. Uh, it's uh, it was it was a right wing right wing guy. I think it was Ron Radosh. It might have been Ron yeah, Radosh. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Ron Radosh from okay. the Daily Beast. Yeah. Okay, all right. So um, uh, now Breitbart itself describes uh, the uh, the the alt right and the the thought leader of the alt right as a guy who is a white supremacist. Yeah, so they, I mean, they, they, they did a, they did a full article and that I called out at the time. Milo Yiannopoulos had written along with a guy named Alan Bakari on March 29th in which they described the intellectual foundations of the alt-right, and they openly, I mean, it was not closeted. <laughs> they openly talked about Jared Taylor, who's a white supremacist, and they talked about Richard Spencer, who's a, who's a white supremacist, and they talked about uh, a whole variety of, of these white supremacist philosophers, and then they specifically said that the basic creed of the alt-right is that European civilization is inherently tied to race. Right. So in other words, it's not just that they're standing up for Western civilization, it's that Western civilization springs not from the Judeo-Christian creed, but from the Judeo-Christian creed combined with 
the ethnicity of the people who implement it. So, in other words, if you have an inundation of people from a different country who are, are assimilating, assimilation is really kind of impossible because you're just you're undermining the entire uh, you're undermining the racial basis for Western civilization. You worked for Steve Bannon for a long time. Do you uh, believe? Yeah. Do you believe he is a guy who's a white supremacist or embraces the uh, the alt right and wanted to make Breitbart into a platform like that? I, I don't know that Steve is a full alt right white supremacist. I think Steve has no principles; he just has interests. Um, he, he obviously uh, believes that trade is bad. He obviously is very very hawkish on the border. Uh, he he's fully in line with sort of Trump's populist lines. Uh, about immigration, but I, I'm not sure that he was he was a full-on alt-right guy, but he's obviously friendly to it. He was fine with, he, he was sort of celebrity, celebratory uh, about the increase in, in traffic, apparently, and, and the sort of, and, and the alt-right growth of, of the base. Uh, and, and and Ben, you, you know, you you mentioned uh, the Ron Radosh thing, which I think you had him on. Yeah, we had him on, and, and you, you mentioned it was multiple places. Where I'm seeing this particular quote is from Mother Jones, which the mm-hmm. author is, is saying, We're the platform for the alt-right. Bannon told me proudly when I interviewed him at the Republican National Convention in July. That's what I'm talking about. Yep. That's the that's the that's the that's the source. Yep. That is pretty amazing. Yeah, but it's in Mother Jones. Wait, wait, let's give the hang on just a second. Can you defend Mother Jones? Mother Jones is not a credible Uh, unless he's on record outwardly saying uh, that he didn't say these things. I mean, I, I you know. It doesn't seem I haven't seen that. Have you, Ben? Is he has he come no, out and said no, I wouldn't? No, no way in hell he disassociates from the all right. Too much of his base is all right. There, there, there's just no way that he's going to do it. In the same way that, that Donald Trump has winked and nodded at the all right for months, he's winking and nodding at the all right this whole time. And and it's clear that the all right sees Breitbart and Bannon as allies, and they're celebrating all over the place. They they know that that they've got a, a guy who's very friendly to their interests on the inside of the Trump campaign, and they think that. That Bannon Tire at the top level of Trump's campaign was basically Trump tipping his hat to their loyalty. Ben, have you seen any numbers on? I mean, I didn't. I've never even heard of the alt right until like six months ago. I mean, yeah, I know too. about white supreme. You too? Yeah, no, I hadn't, I hadn't heard of this stuff until until you know until okay, I started so, getting hit with with kind of the alt right Holocaust memes. You know, six seven months yeah, ago, I had. I know. So, can you tell me? Do have you seen any numbers on how big this group is? Why would Donald Trump? play into this why would bannon play into this i I, i've never even heard of these people before i mean as as in a large group so i think that it's kind of a softly agglomerated group meaning that it's not kind of a hardcore of of people who sit in their who sit in their basements and coordinate with each other there is that hardcore of people but they're very small there are a lot of people who are sort of friendly to the alt-right because they fall into the trap of thinking that these people are just speaking truth to power on issues like feminism so you know milo yiannopoulos of course became very popular because of the stuff that he was saying about feminists. Most people you know, never bothered to look at the stuff that he was saying about race or being soft toward the alt-right. And so you have to understand the alt-right is a bunch of strains, just like any other movement. So there's the, sort of the Gamergate strain. There are a bunch of people who were very big into the kind of video gaming world, and, they, uh, and, and there was a big scandal inside the video gaming world because a lot of lefties who were reviewers for video games started shutting down video games uh, that they considered to be right-wing and, and patriarchal. And so Gamergate was sort of revolt against that. One of the things that Gamergate people did is they started sending these really offensive memes to people, uh, trying to, quote-unquote, trigger the social justice warriors. They fell in love with Donald Trump because he was constantly you know, triggering people, which means that he was offending people, you know, sometimes rightly and mostly stupidly. 
And so they fell in love with that. Meanwhile, the paleo conservatives led by Pat Buchanan are having a heavy impact on the Trump campaign, obviously. A lot of his philosophical foundations are with Pat Buchanan, who is you know, borderline white supremacist and has been for a long time. And then you have the, and then you have the actual white supremacists who are joining that movement too. And you kind of mix this toxic brew together and you get, and you get the alt-right. And then a lot of people who kind of are hangers on, people who are friendly toward the alt-right, trying to use the alt-right, trying to pretend that the alt-right is an ally in their fight against feminism or against political correctness. And that's how you end up with this kind of core of alt-right people, but a larger base of people who are, who are associated with the alt-right and don't even know it. And I, and I know tons of people who are associated with real figures in the alt-right or people who are extraordinarily friendly to the alt-right, and they've never heard of the alt-right. They don't even know what the alt-right is. Good God, do you know, are we, are we, are we associated with them? I, I, I've never heard of them. Uh, no, I, think I mean, when... it's, it's even a matter of, of, of knowing that you're associated with the alt-right. Again, there are people who were popular. I, I use Milo as an example of this just because he, he was such a phenomenon for a while. It, there were all sorts of people who were just loving up Milo Yiannopoulos because he was this iconoclastic guy who was fighting the PC culture, never acknowledging that, of course, he was a key figure in the, in the, in the sort of promulgation of the alt-right. And, and there's still people who who won't who are more loyal to, to Milo because of that. And so, it's it's that okay. crossover that's dangerous. It's that crossover that that frightens me. And I think it's that crossover that actually Hillary's kind of right about. I mean, when she says that the alt right is is a danger to the conservative movement because they're attracting people on the basis of these kind of these kind of false confluence of interests, I, I don't think that that's completely wrong. I think is, she's the is, wrong messenger to give it because she's she's racially pandering to the the other side of the coin in Black Lives Matter. So let me play against each other. But yes, let me ask you this and then play devil's advocate. Um, uh, Assuming and correct me if I'm wrong, assuming that um, Trump is not philosophically tied to the alt-right and Bannon is not philosophically tied to uh, the alt-right. They just want to use those movements. I think that uh, there's no way in hell you would ever get me to do that. There will be people who will excuse yet this too and say, "Hey, you got to do what you got to do." Why is that bad uh, logic, flawed logic? I mean, the, the reason to me that it's flawed logic is because of the thing that Hillary didn't do in this speech, but will do as the campaign goes on, and that is she is going to lump the entire conservative movement in with the alt right. You know, she she didn't do it today because what she was trying to do strategically was separate off the conservatives and say to them, "Look, this is a litmus test for your soul." If you side with Trump and the alt-right, then you're with him. But if you side against him, then I'm, I'm going to leave you out of this equation. As the, as the campaign goes on and as people continue to, to accrue to, to accrete to Trump's campaign, what you're going to see is the left beginning to say the alt-right is everybody. The alt-right is, you're the, the, alt-right is wow. the entire movement. We've been saying you guys are racist. We've been All saying right. you guys are sexist. We've been saying you guys are bigots the whole time. And now you openly see that mm-hmm. there are racists and bigots and sexists, and you're continuing to endorse and move along with these people in the passenger seat. Ben Shapiro, thank you so much. Ben Shapiro from the uh, Daily Wire. And uh, when one of the, the uh, most honest thought leaders um, on, in the conservative or constitutional movement. Do you have time for one more quote or no? Uh, real quick. One of the guys that, that they cite as one of the, fe- the central thought people. Of, Breitbart cites. Of, of, yeah, that Breitbart cites is one of the central people of alt-right. Quote, let the good times roll is an especially risky message for African-Americans. The plain fact is they tend to possess poorer native judgment than members of better educated groups. Thus, they need stricter moral guidance from society. End quote. <laughs> now this. Crap. Now this. I'm telling you the time to eject is now if you're on that train.
Does your mattress adapt to your body temperature and the temperature of your room, or does it trap heat and leave you drenched in sweat as you sleep? If your mattress is a heat-trapping magnet, do what I did, do what Pat did, upgrade to a Casper mattress. Casper was invented with two high-tech foams that guarantee that you'll sleep cool and comfortable with all of the supports you need. Now, Time Magazine, because of this, named it um, the uh, one of the best inventions of 2015. Casper mattress. Try it in your home for 100 nights risk-free. And if you don't love it, they're going to pick it up and refund everything. You're going to save a ton of money and a great night's sleep and have one of the best inventions of the, uh, in fact, the most awarded mattress of the decade. Go to Casper.com and use the uh, promo code BECK. Get $50 off of the purchase of your mattress. Terms and conditions do apply. It's Casper.com. Casper.com. We have the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. The Glenn Beck Program. So glad that you are here. Um, thank you so much for listening um, today. Yesterday had a had a really interesting day. Really interesting day. Um, and I don't know if we're going to have time to talk about it today. Maybe we'll talk about it Monday. But uh, um, Mel Gibson spent about ninety minutes um, with me yesterday. Cool. And. Um, was not the guy that I expected, the guy I hoped for. Good. Yeah. That's great. Um, and um, kind of mocked himself and talked about his trouble and uh, recognized it right off the bat. Like he was in a good place? And Yeah, 10 years sober now. Um, talked about his anger, talked about how he went out of control and why he felt that way. Really fascinating uh, one-on-one with Mel Gibson. We'll talk about that if we have time later on. The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. my chalkboard out and I'm actually happy because I'm seeing good news for the Senate. Am I? Am I seeing better news in the in the rankings? I, I mean we're about to start the segment. Can I just tell you when the segment well, let's start the segment now. We're looking at the polls. The election by the numbers begins right now. of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. The Glenn Beck Program, 2016, election by numbers. All righty. From behind his cardboard microphone, Stu is here. 
uh, with a look at uh, the uh, election by the numbers. Okay, a quick review of how this, uh, the, the board looks for the Senate to start off. There are 36 Democratic senators that are locked in. They are not up for election, 36 locked in. So uh, coming into this particular, uh, last time we had the board out, we had about, I think we had eight in the solid Democratic uh, column. We moved one over, which is Bennett in Colorado, Colorado, which is a large, sorry, every time I say one of those words, wow. I screw it up. I, I at least corrected myself. Colorado, uh, he is now a, a solid Democrat for the moment. These things change with the polls. We'll update them as the polls go. But that gives you uh, nine uh, solid Democrats. That brings them to 45. Okay. Um, for the Republicans, they start off with 30 seats locked in. Absolutely. Uh, and we have a bunch here that uh, are in the uh, solid Republican category. In fact, 11 of them total, um, including Mike Lee, by the way, in case you were in Utah and know that. They're up, he's up by 30 in the most recent poll. Uh, so we think Lee is going to hang on to that seat fairly easily. A lot of good guys over here. Tim Scott is, is pretty good. Um, there's a, a good uh, Rand Paul, um, Cra- Crapo in, in Idaho. Idaho. I can never remember. You have John Thune in there, too, who yeah. has the body of a Greek god. Oh. True, Arlen. Um, Arlen I do appreciate that. Stopping by from the beyond. So, uh, 11 solid Republicans. So that brings you to, before we start getting into leaners and toss-ups, you've got uh, uh, 45 Democrats, 41 Republicans is where we believe we start this. Yeah, um, that's, that's not good. Now, as far right, it doesn't start out okay. Not, but then there's a lot leaning. Yeah. So two. So yeah, we six seven. Now yeah, when we have a um, we have two, four, six, seven leaners right now for the Republicans, um, and uh, including two that we've moved to leaning from toss up. It's is forty eight. Rob Portman in uh, Ohio and Marco Rubio in Florida. We now have a leaning yeah. Republican that yeah. used to be toss up. So that brings you to forty eight uh, Republicans uh, right now. If you know, the election were to happen today, for lack of a It's close. Very close. Um, over on the Democratic I don't side. don't like it like this, guys. I don't either. I don't like it like this. As you I look like... at the toss-ups and you think, all right, we got to get three of them? Yeah. So that's... got to so, get three of them. There's two in the leaning Democrat side, which would be uh, the open seat in uh, Indiana, as well as uh, the, uh, Johnson in Wisconsin. Uh, now, that's a Republican seat going to the Democrats. We've moved that from a toss-up over to a leaning Democrat. Uh, and honestly... So John, what's Johnson trailing by then? Uh, yeah, I mean, I could have moved him to solid Democrat, to oh, be honest. It's, it's a double-digit type of lead uh, there. Oh. However, I'm going to... Oh, because it's Feingold. It's Feingold. Right? Yeah. Russ so. Feingold's running against him. Um, so, uh, so that's going to be two here. That gets you to wow. 47 Democrats. So 48, 47, and we go into the, uh, the, the toss-ups. The toss-ups are Illinois. That one right now is leaning uh, towards the Democrats. No, don't say that. We don't know for sure. 48. Um, How about Toomey? But, no, but Toomey uh, right now is, is uh, uh, very close. I mean, it's a legit toss-up. Okay. Nevada race, Reed retiring, yeah. legit toss-up. Uh, Kelly Ayotte we had as a uh, lean Republican. We've moved it to the toss-up category as uh, she's underperforming. Uh, I mean, she was leading before the conventions. Uh, she is not really leading anywhere. That's a toss-up. And Burr in North Carolina is a toss-up as well um, as we've moved that over. So Toomey, uh, uh, Ayat, and Burr, we've moved over to the toss-up. So there's five races there. Uh, to get to 50 seats with a Trump presidency, you'd need uh, two of those uh, of the five. And to get to 51 in a Clinton presidency, you'd need three yeah, of the need three. Five. We need three. Oh, we my need, gosh. Come need, on. That's assuming you hold all the leaners. We which, could get Toomey. We could get Ayat. And we could get Burr. I mean, it, it is, you know, I don't know that it's likely, but it's it's strongly possible. The Nevada race is really tight, and it's also one of Trump's best performing states. Yeah. Like oh. I, 
I mean, he does really well. In it. Do we get Why is he not in states like that? Why does he keep coming back to Texas or know. Connecticut? I mean, he's Why? doing rallies I mean, in Connecticut doing? and Texas all the time. Because he wants to know. still beat up on Cruz. <laughs> no, come on. I mean, really, what is he know. doing in Texas? If Texas is in mean, trouble, I mean, you shouldn't be spending any time in Texas. Well, uh, to address oh, that particular point, no. uh, <laughs> maybe he should be spending some time in Texas. Um, You've got to be kidding me. I mean, it's not the worst idea in the world, if you think about it. Have the polls? Oh, I'm afraid oh, of this. Oh, boy. Okay. okay now, now we're going the to the electoral board. college ratings. Now, th- this is important. When you hear people give the polls um, and they're like, oh, Clinton is ahead, forget about it. It depends on the states mm-hmm. because this is not a general election. It, the electoral college matters. Yes, there is no national election. Right. It does not happen. Right. There are 50 state elections. Right. So you have to win 270 um, uh, electoral college uh, votes. Yes. Um, and so... We've broken them in the same way. Solid Democrat, leaning Democrat, toss-up, leaning Republican, solid Republican. So we start over on the solid Democrat side. There's not a huge – some of these are not surprises. Wow, you put Virginia in solid Democrat now, huh? That is one of the moves, Pat. Uh, you did notice uh, Virginia notice. is moved over to solid Democrat from leaning Democrat. Wow. As well as Wisconsin and Minnesota uh, all moved uh, that way. Oof. So from leaning to solid – I mean, Virginia is a double-digit election – and remember, mm. Tim Kaine is the vice president. Yeah. Right. So is your, what is your yeah? <laughs> what is your methodology on this? Uh, well, polling is number one. Demographics and 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 uh, fundamentals are another. Uh, as well as you can see trends happening. I'll give you a couple of ideas. Virginia, which <laughs> is traditionally seen as a potential swing state, and Republicans sometimes do really well. <laughs> Glenn is suffocating himself. Uh, sometimes Republicans do well, but in this particular election, Trump is underperforming what you're, where you'd think he'd be in Virginia. However, uh, the, op- the opposite is true in a state like Nevada or Iowa, uh, Iowa where he, I would say he's overperforming. Um, there are certain states he's doing better and certain that he's doing worse. So we moved over those uh, over to the solid Democratic side, giving uh, 224 oh my gosh. electoral votes. Solid Democrat. That's too many. That is a starting take some, point. Take some of those away from there. I, I can't do that, Pat. That's not the way this works. Uh, <laughs> Holy like cow. Like 100. Just take 100 away. Take 100 away. And give them to the Republicans. Guys, this could be the blowout it we could. feared. Yeah, this it is, could. And this is worse it could. than it looks nationally in some ways. Some of the polls are okay. Some of them are, are improving for Trump. But, you know... There's some problems here. You know here. what the um, worst part of it is? Look at the states that are only leaning Republican. It's Indiana, oh. Texas, Kansas, South Carolina. Those should be solid. Absolute. Texas is in a lean Republican state. I've, I'm getting there, yes. Uh, sol- so solid Republican. You, you add up all the states, you've, you know, you've got a bunch there. Um, Utah, I'm, I think, is still solid Republican. That one's been wavering, but Ooh. it's solid Republican. That's going to get you to, uh, for solid Republican uh, 90 electoral votes. 90? <laughs> what? Uh, 224 to 90. Oh, you, my gosh. Maybe you didn't hear Pat earlier. Move some of those from yeah, the... Yeah, take 100 from the Democrat and just give it to oh the Republican. The reason this looks worse than last time we talked about it is a couple have moved over from solid Republican yeah, to Texas leading Republican, one. including number one. The big one is Texas. The, the polling is... 
I mean, I believe Donald Trump is going to win Texas, but it's too, I cl- too. I'm being but dishonest how, by leaving it in the How much is he up by right now? Uh, I can get you the polls here in one second. I don't have it in front. Less than okay. three. It's like three points or less. Um, three really? points or less? Yeah, let me give you the exact number. Here. Oh, my God. Do you have hardcore oh theory to make him lean instead of solid? Uh, you know, uh, you know, you know what? You know what? If this happens, here's here's what I'm hoping for. I am I am begging the Lord that this is the lowest voter turnout of all time or that people on both sides vote third party so one of them wins with like 25 or 30 percent so there's no mandate if she goes in and it's a huge record turnout and she wins with a big margin Mm -hmm. we are screwed so we're screwed so basically i mean it's not this simple um, but generally speaking, the way I look at this is zero to three points is essentially a toss-up, right? Three to seven is a lean, right? Mm-hmm. And above seven, maybe ten a lot of times. Some of the, you know, it varies. But right now it's a six-point race. I, I, I mistook, stated that a little bit with Texas. A six-point race. Okay. So it's a, it's a lead. But again, it's a leaning lead. It's not a dominant Six lead. points is not three. It's true. I will give you that. Yeah. Um, Kansas is another one we've moved over to uh, leaning Republican. I believe South Carolina was a state that I, I got confused yes. there. South uh, Carolina, you just told us this a couple of days ago. Yeah, South Carolina. How do you live, Stu? I mean, I have all of these scenarios <laughs> in my head that I've studied out, and I barely am alive every day. How do you live with the actual facts of what's coming? Right, I mean... And keep a smile on your face. You know, this is just math to me. I, you know, and, and this... The excitement of the election is over. Yeah. For me, honestly, I think I, I find this stuff to be interesting because I like numbers and I like these contests. But yeah. I mean, I, I you know, the rooting interest is I'm not sitting here passionately caring about what happens in this electoral. Well, then you move some of those numbers morons. over to the right. Uh, yeah, thank you. Even if you do that, okay. But let's, let's give Mabry Lee. It, it's still only 165 electoral votes. Yes, right? 165. Uh, Pat, yes, correct. Uh, 75 here in the uh, in the leaning category. Quickly. South Carolina is a three-point lead, which normally I would probably keep in the toss-up, but I'm keeping in the leaning uh, department because of the fundamentals of South Carolina. I'm expecting him to pull that out. The same with Texas, which is a six-point lead. But again, that's not enough for a uh, for a Republican. Kansas is the same way. The Kansas polls, are, and not a lot of people are talking about that, but he has really underperformed in Kansas since the beginning. Um, and the latest poll in Kansas has him only up five. Five in Kansas. This is a 20-point win state many times for Republicans. Um, Indiana, I think he's looking, uh, with Pence on the ticket, is doing fairly well there. Arizona, he's held up and is still a leaner. For the Democrats, Colorado is, uh, Pennsylvania, I'm keeping as a leaner almost to keep the drama. But, I mean, he's up in double digits there. New Hampshire is is high single digits and Michigan is high single digits. So So over on on that side, you've got, uh, it's uh, another 49 leaning can I give you some depressing news? I mean, I just and you're, you're probably coming to this. I just <laughs> you keep you keep you just keep revealing all of the things I'm about to get to. So I appreciate that, Pat. Sorry. It's okay. All right. So I will not say it, but it's I, I, there's no way. Really, there's no yeah, path. So what, no, I think should, what Pat is about what to look so at solid and lean without any toss-ups. It's over. There's no, no path. With solid and lean that gets solid and lean to 273 electoral votes, and him at 265. And no, him at 165. Uh, uh, now, if he wins, if he wins the solid, the lean, and the toss-up, all of them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
That's 265. Right. If he sweeps all the toss-ups, he still, still loses. Not enough. And again, this is why I keep saying. Still five short. Everything comes down to Pennsylvania, really. I, I don't see wow. how he gets there without I'm Pennsylvania. Sure. I keep sure. blabbing oh. about this. He's not winning Michigan. He's not going to win Wisconsin. He's but not going to win loses, Virginia. Let's say he wins Pennsylvania, but he loses Florida or he loses Ohio. Right. He loses. It's what, he the, loses Georgia. Which he is he is losing now. He has to win yes. everything. The Donald, yeah, outside the first two columns, it has to win everything, and then he's got to get Pennsylvania too. So, so let me for yeah. those oh on radio gosh. who are seeing oh this in front gosh. of them, to get, paint oh the picture. Gosh. To paint the picture, it's winning every solid Republican state, not blowing one of those. Winning the leaners, Arizona, Indiana, Texas, Kansas, South Carolina, all very winnable. But then also sweeping the toss-ups, which is Iowa, North Carolina, Florida, Ohio, Nevada. I mean, Georgia and Missouri sweeping those states and also, in addition to that, picking off something significant. Probably Pennsylvania would be. A, Let me a, ask you this. You could is get he, there a little bit with a little bit less than that if you picked off smaller states. Is he even ahead in Ohio? Uh, no. Right. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Oh, my gosh. He's not ahead in Ohio. What the hell are we doing? He's not ahead in Seriously, Florida. Seriously, why He's not are ahead we in North even, Carolina? Why is not ahead anyone in even the GOP should pull all their freaking money and pour it into the Senate and the House? And, and you Seriously, call, what, are you, what are you doing? Call me a black Stop. rain cloud. But, I mean, again, the picture isn't terrible in the Senate. You can save the Senate. You right. can. You've this, got to save the Senate and the House. You know, the guy is worth $10 billion. Let him put his own assets into this if he wants to do it. Right. Why? If you're the Republican, yeah. if he's got all this money, let him spend it on the campaign, and he can fund you. You're lucky enough to have a candidate that can fund this himself. I'm calling right now. Make him do it and put the money into the Senate. You can still save the Senate. Wow. Now, this could still turn around. The disclaimer is important. We have 70 days. There's a lot of external factors that can turn this around. This is not locked in stone, and I can understand them not just pulling the plug and shutting down the campaign. But when it comes to important resources, the Senate is savable. It is a much better bet. It's a cost-benefit analysis that you have to look at and say you have to have somebody there if Hillary does win to stop them. And the Senate is one of the only ways you can do that. I wish I could thank you, Stu. (laughs) The good news is the Senate is still there. I'm thanking you. I'm thanking you like I would thank a doctor as I walk out after he told me I am riddled with cancer. And I would sit in his office and I would then get up and look at him and say, well, thank you, doctor. (laughs) You're welcome. Well, thank you, Stu. Can't wait to hear this again next week. That's Dr. Stu, please. And now, uh, do not pretend you're a doctor. (laughs) I'm sorry. Those of us who are, do have our doctorates, uh, we don't yeah, take offense. You take offense to that. It's like somebody wearing a, like a Medal of Honor. You don't and play you that. Haven't earned it. You don't play that. You haven't earned your doctorate. I have. So, please. Well, you haven't exactly earned it. but uh, Yes, I am a doctor of humanities, which means I can do any kind of medicine on any kind of human. That's not what that means. <laughs> are you a doctor? I, well, you know what? Are you a doctor, yes or no? No, you're not. I am. So I think that settles it. Now this. How do you put a price of protecting your family? Big home security companies know you'd pay practically any amount for your family's security, so they prey on your emotions. They give you a a system for for free. They lock you into a long-term contract. They charge you $40, $50, $60 a month for monitoring for years. Doesn't that sound great? Here's another idea. 
Simply Safe, a home security system based on your needs. It is all wireless, so nobody's coming to your house and wiring and drilling holes into anything. It saves you money. The monitoring is not fifty or sixty dollars a month. It's fourteen dollars and ninety nine cents a month. There's no contract. You own the system, so you can take it with you when you move. Right now, Simply Safe has this home security system um, in in my daughter's house. We trust it. Simply Safe. It's like having a security guard right at your front door, twenty four seven. The protection we trust, simplysafebeck.com. Go there now, get a 10% discount. Uh, that's simplysafebeck.com. Get the 10% discount right now, simplysafebeck.com. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. So Stu walked in this week with a book, Democracy and Political Ignorance. And I just love the, I just love the title of that uh, because <laughs> that's kind of what we're living in right now. Um, but you talked to the writer, right? Yeah, I actually talked to him on Wonderful World of Stu, uh, the program that airs on this wonderful network you call The Blaze, um, about he wrote a book actually about uh, the Kilo case and um, about... Um, you know, eminent domain and, and how that happened and how the, the government decided to try to take the property of all these homeowners who just wanted to live in their homes for really no purpose at all. It became obviously a big Supreme Court case and many, many people on the right have pushed back against it. Some Republicans have not. <laughs> huh. But we had a discussion about that. Yeah. So Ilya Soman uh, is uh, on with us now. Ilya, how are you, sir? Good. Uh, how are you? Uh, very good. So um, I want to talk to you about your book just a little bit, Democracy and Political uh, Ignorance. Holy cow, those are the days we're living in, huh? <laughs> yes, um, one might even say the study of political ignorance has become great again. <laughs> yes. Um, the uh, um, Why Small Government is Smarter is the uh, subtitle. I don't see anybody, Ilya, fighting for smaller government, even quite honestly, even the um, the libertarians don't seem to be fighting for smaller government at this point. Um, is smaller government, uh, you know, the idea that the principles that at least I grew up with are those? Is that a thing of the past? I think certainly right now is not the best time for those ideas, but I also think it's too early to declare the cause dead. There are still a good many people, Republicans, even some Democrats, certainly most libertarians, who view government with great suspicion and who also recognize that government is way too centralized. Uh, And I think we can build on that and move in the right direction, even though obviously the last couple years have been very discouraging in that respect. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, you, 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 I used to believe that too, Ilya, and then, and then I watched people just vote for the biggest statists we had on the stage. I think that certainly sometimes happens, 
but it's also the case that if you look at American history as recently as the 1990s, we did have considerable reductions in government spending during that time. Even over the last four or five years, ever since we went to divided government in 2011, there have been some improvements, not necessarily because Obama or the people in Congress really want them, but because the clash between Democrats and Republicans with divided government tends to lead to those results. So I think fundamentally, if you look at a lot of survey data, as I do in my book, there are a lot of people who are very suspicious of government and politicians. Yeah, but are politicians they... are viewed even more negatively and less trusted than my profession, lawyers and law professors. Uh, and I think over time, perhaps some of that could be channeled into uh, limiting and reducing the power of government rather than simply into saying, well, we want to transfer that massive power and some other head of set of hands that promise but, that but, uh, they'll I mean, bring change we can believe in or that they'll make America great again to quote yeah, slogans I mean, from recent campaigns. Right. I mean, you, you're, you're, your name of your book is Political Ignorance, Democracy and Political Ignorance. You know, they do distrust, but so they say, instead, let's give it to a community organizer before anybody knew what that meant, or a game show host. Yes, I think that's right. <laughs> In both of those cases, people felt, well, this is a new kind of politician. He's going to do wonderful things that uh, maybe weren't possible with more conventional politicians. In both cases, I think uh, uh, that hasn't turned out to be the case. Uh, so... Over time, however, if you look historically, there have been periods where people used to think that something was a very important function of government, but over time, they came to realize that maybe it shouldn't be something that government should control. Uh, I think religion is an excellent example. For most of the history of the Western world, most people thought that if there's one function that government should be doing, it's promoting the right religion. Over time, most people, at least in the West, have come to realize not that religion isn't important, it clearly is, but the government, including democratic government, can't really be trusted in this area. And I think maybe we can make similar realizations in other areas, or at the very least, we could recognize that some of what is currently being done in Washington can be decentralized to states or localities. If you believe that, say, Switzerland can have its own health care policy or its own education policy and do pretty well at it, which it does, then the same should be true of Virginia or Massachusetts or Texas, uh, that they're as bigger, actually, in some cases, much bigger than a country like Switzerland. So decentralization can also be at least a partial remedy for the problem of political ignorance, something I discuss in more detail in my book. Okay, so Elia, that's good, but you're talking to four guys here and a listening audience of millions who pay attention and can actually read English um, or any language. <laughs> um, I'll bet you that half of America wouldn't even understand what the hell you just said. And so it's not just political ignorance, it's ignorance, ignorance in America. And this is we're at the place where I've always disagreed with the progressives. The progressives always thought people are too stupid. They're cattle. We're ranchers. We'll round things up. Are people so disconnected and so apathetic and so ignorant of what's going on? And I'm talking about the average person that's going to go out and vote. Are they so ignorant that that we can't recover this? And, and if not, why? If so, 
How do we educate them and reach to uh, reach out to people who are still college educated but are morons? <laughs> So I think ignorance is part of the human condition. We're all inevitably ignorant of the vast majority of all the information that's out there because there's just much more of it than we can learn. That said, I think there's a special problem with political ignorance where our incentive to be ignorant in that area is greater than in most others because in that area, the chance that your vote will have a decisive effect on an electoral outcome is infinitesimally small, about one in 60 million in a presidential election, for example. So there is more incentive to be ignorant there than a lot of other areas. So I don't think we can get to the point where most voters or even more than a tiny fraction will be policy wonks and will pay really close attention. But I do think we can get to a point where more people have at least some sense of their limitations and therefore that maybe some things should not be as much controlled by the political process as they are now. I mentioned the historical example of religion. We might say the same thing about other areas. I don't think this is a change that's going to happen overnight in a radical way, but I do think we can incrementally move in the right direction. If you look at survey data I mentioned earlier, people are already very suspicious of government. Uh, there's also some good data indicating that people often are particularly suspicious of the federal government and in many areas would trust states and localities more. That can be built on. It's not something that can happen overnight. Uh, and there will be many painful and frustrating setbacks, like we're certainly experiencing this year. Uh, but I think it's too early to just give up, especially since the consequences of giving up uh, are also potentially pretty dire. We oh, do yeah. have a vastly overgrown government. We have many very dangerous initiatives involving government power coming from both the left and the right. So uh, those of us who feel that uh, we want to cut back on that, we owe it to ourselves and perhaps to society as a whole to do what we can to at least make things somewhat better. The way you are talking, um, I, I'm guessing, and you do not have to answer this, but I'm guessing that you don't like either choice uh, for president. How did you ever guess that? I think okay. they're both pretty bad. I think that's safe to are say, you, at least are, from my point of view. Though I do think uh, that the Libertarian Party candidate, Gary Johnson, while certainly far from perfect, is vastly preferable to uh, those other two. Okay. So that you're going to vote for the Libertarian? Probably. Okay. Uh, it depends to some extent on how well he's doing and on how close the election is between the other two. <laughs> so you might throw your vote towards one of the other two? Yeah. Uh, I think the other two are both pretty bad, but I do think Hillary Clinton is the lesser evil of them. And there's not many wow. politicians who could win a presidential nomination, yes. I would say, are a, a lesser evil than Hillary Clinton, but the Republican <laughs> Party and its wisdom has managed to hit on one of them. <laughs> this is amazing. This is a guy who's been talking for 10 minutes about, uh, you know, smaller government being the path to, to, yeah. to uh, our freedom. And, uh, and that's an amazing, I mean, it's, and I, I don't know, I, mean, I think a lot of people are getting to that same exact spot. Yeah. Uh, it's incredible. So I understand that you lost a family member, the anniversary of the uh, Nazi Soviet pact. Um, is this week. This week. Yeah. And I understand you have lost a family member because of that. Probably more than one. Uh, in the Nazi, one of the immediate results of the Nazi-Soviet pact was the war between the Soviet Union and Finland. 
uh, which uh, the Soviet Union invaded Finland because as part of their agreement with the Germans, Finland fell within the Soviet sphere. Uh, and my great uncle was a Russian soldier who was killed uh, in the Russo-Finnish War. Uh, I also lost a large number of other relatives to the Holocaust and the World War II more generally, uh, and the Nazi-Soviet pact uh, played a major role in all of that as well. You, you say um, that the Nazi-Soviet pact is uh, one of the biggest mistakes of, of uh, you know, uh, peace in world history. I think it's actually worse than a mistake. The Munich Agreement between the British and French and the Nazis, that was a mistake in that Neville Chamberlain, I think, genuinely wanted peace, but he badly screwed up on how to get it. On the other hand, the agreement between Stalin and Hitler was not just a mistake, it was an actual crime, because these were two brutal mass-murdering dictators who uh, deliberately sought to carve up much of Eastern Europe between them in ways that led to mass murder and enormous suppression for many millions of people. So there were some mistakes involved, perhaps, especially on Stalin's part, uh, but fundamentally it was much worse than merely a mistake. So why did Stalin, why did this end? Because Stalin, did Stalin actually expect to get peace or was he stalling for time and his intent was to take Germany out anyway at some point? There's some dispute about this between historians. I think the most plausible theory is that Stalin saw a couple of different advantages in signing the deal with Hitler. One is he really did want to take over substantial portions of Eastern Europe that were allocated to him under the secret protocols to the agreement, including Finland, the Baltic states, and a chunk of Poland. Uh, but he also thought that uh, if he did, made this agreement with the Germans, the Germans might then get involved in a war with the Western powers, as they in fact did. And he, like many people, did not expect that the Germans would conquer France as easily as they did. So he thought probably that he could sit back and enjoy the British, French, and the Germans tear each other apart while he could take advantage of the situation and take over uh, as much of Eastern Europe as he potentially could, uh, given that situation. When France fell, obviously, those expectations were in large part disappointed, though even then he for a long time didn't expect that Hitler would actually attack him. Real quick, I'm just, I'm just curious. Um, I mean, you're, you're an author of Democracy and Political Ignorance, but you're also a law professor at uh, George Mason University. Um, if you had to rank uh, the evil, Mao, uh, Mao, Hitler, Stalin, how would you rank them? Because the world would always put... Hitler up at the top. How would you rank those? I think it's a very hard question. It depends on how you want to do the ranking. If you just want to rank it by the number of innocent people that they slaughtered, Mao would have to rank at the top, probably as many as over 40 million people, which is more than a number of victims of Stalin and much more a number of victims of Hitler. You could say, however, well, that was just because Mao ruled a country with an enormous population for 27 years, whereas Stalin ruled a country with a smaller population in China, and Hitler had only 12 years in power. Uh, so I think 
Therefore, it's difficult to say which was the, the most evil of those three. What I think is important to remember is at the very least that the three of them are comparable evils, whereas uh, although historians are certainly aware of the crimes of Mao and Stalin, they get much less press and much less attention yeah. uh, than those of Hitler do. And I think that's unfortunate, even though, as I mentioned before, I certainly lost relatives in the Holocaust. and I have no desire to minimize Hitler's crimes in any way. Oh, I know, I know. Elia Soman, thank you so much. Professor of Law, George Mason University. Uh, new book, Democracy and Political Ignorance, Why Smaller Government is Smaller uh, is uh, Smarter. Thank you, Elia. We hope to have you on again. Fascinating. Um, <clears throat> let's, uh, let me take a quick break and tell you about our sponsor this afternoon. Let me give you some stats here. Central banks, like the Fed, own $25 trillion of financial assets. What does that mean? That means um, the central banks around the world owe a sum larger than the entire GDP of the U.S. plus Japan. And since Lehman Brothers collapsed, it is up $12 trillion. That means the financial assets, that's debt. Currently, $12.3 trillion of negative yielding global bonds. That's 28% of the total. Those are about to collapse. Currently, $8 trillion of negative-yielding sovereign debt. 54% of the total debt from sovereign countries is negative-yielding. We're in trouble, gang. Big trouble. I want you to call Goldline. Do it today. For 5,000 years, gold has been a safe haven. I want you to call now. 1-866-GOLDLINE. 1-866-GOLDLINE or goldline.com. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. Program. Where do you want to take us out, Pat? Well, I want us to not forget. You'll never, never defeat the human spirit. Right? You'll never defeat God. You'll right. never win. <laughs> okay. Never. Never. All right. Never. Never. Okay, never. I got it. Never. Never. All right. Okay. All right. Thank you. And this is where we get tested. Okay. All right. So. <laughs> okay. Thank you for that. I'm fired up now for the weekend. You? Amen. I'm ready to go. Ready. To fired go. up. And ready to go. Fired up. Ready to go. You'll never. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury.